Kia ora, it is Monday the 12th of February and she's made it. Taylor Swift has defied the laws of physics, <laughs> defied the laws of sleep to make it back from Tokyo to the US in time for the Super Bowl this afternoon. Her plane trip was tracked by over 32,000 people and her flight bore the call sign, the football era. Yep, I'd say that sounds about right. We'll be talking more about that in the show. But first things first, kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess and this is what's worth talking about. It's a year since Cyclone Gabrielle tore through the Upper North Island, killing 11 people. We speak to those still trying to piece their lives back together 12 months on and ask, is there enough money left to fund the recovery? There's a new development in a 20-year-old cold case that's left a son searching for answers about what happened to his mum. Plus, it's the return of Jeff Wilson for the first ever newsable sport. What's his take on all the Super Bowl madness? All that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. A year ago, the heavens opened, the rivers overflowed, hillsides slumped and water surged across land. Cyclone Gabrielle caused chaos. 11 people died in the Hawke's Bay, parts of Auckland and the Coromandel still bear the scars of the worst storm to hit New Zealand this century. On top of that, questions remain over government buyouts, insurance options and infrastructure repairs with concerns surrounding the country's resilience to climate change. To talk about how the last year has played out and what the East Coast needs now is Esk Valley winemaker Philip Barber. Last year, he dug out 12,000 bottles of wine from the salt left behind by Gabriel. Kia ora, Philip. Thank you so much for coming on. Kia ora. So you're joining us from your vineyard, which was hit by the full force of the flooding caused by Cyclone Gabriel. What is it like today? Actually, it's looking really nice. have done heaps of work getting rid of all the salt. Um, our place, we've got... Maize all planted in four hectares, which is growing unbelievably well. And we've got um, wildflowers and sunflowers and phacelia and buckwheat all coming through and the rest of it. And we've got three hectares, which um, Hicks Brother is still um, clearing the last of the silt. And they should be all finished in a couple of weeks. Is there anything about the recovery that surprised you? I didn't think it would be like this in a year. I thought it might have taken two years, but it's been... Yeah, a massive effort from um, yeah, all the contractors and obviously the council has stepped up as well. It's not just the clearing of the silt, it's also what slowed everything down as we find like clearing it and going, it's going through a machine and it's um, finding out all the debris. So all the debris pile in one bit, the wire, the posts and what have you, pine trees, and the rest of it is all clean silt. So that's kind of like taking a lot longer. How, how much has the last year taken a toll on you? Just how tough has it been? The first few months afterwards, I was kind of running on adrenaline and um, shock probably. And then after that, it kind of dawned on me that, oh, this is quite a major event. And um, yeah, it was going to be a marathon. And uh, yeah, and it's been a real tough in terms of um, just keeping your mental strength going. I've got to say the community has been incredible. And also all my um, Batani wine fans have jumped online and they brought loads of wine off me so I've been busy sending wine out and um, yeah so in that respect it's been incredible also quite confusing as well with the buyout and how that works still haven't quite figured it out yeah, and the insurance has been really good with um, getting most of our money back some of it's will never get back because it's just indemnity insurance we have to rebuild your brewery um, and we're not going to we're not allowed to rebuild so immediately after the floods, there is that amazing photo, Philip, of you and your brother Chris being reunited after you thought you lost him. Can you talk me through how that came about? 
there was such a relief when I saw my family in the Hickey Brothers um, boat. It was like uh, such a relief because up till then I thought they were definitely gone, um, like taken away in the flood because I couldn't see them on their roof. So yes, even with the vineyard gone and everything destroyed, at least at least we haven't you know, died. We survived. The whole family has survived because you know a lot of people weren't as fortunate. And, I think 11 people were killed. So, yeah, so in that respect, I think I've just been very happy to be alive and have a second chance. Thanks, Philip. Really appreciate your time on this. And, of course, many orchards were decimated by Cyclone Gabrielle. So to talk a bit more about that is Bryden Nisbet, an apple grower in the Hawke's Bay. Kia ora, Bryden. Thank you so much for coming on. Would you say the area has fully recovered from Cyclone Gabrielle? Yeah, you know, it's a mixed bag. Uh, some people have fully recovered. Uh, other people have partly recovered and other people, other growers especially haven't even started to recover. What's, what is the situation like for you today? Where my orchard is, it's completely changed from what it was nearly a year ago where we had um, half a metre to 700 mils of silt through the whole orchard that was flooded. So for my particular orchard, we've cleaned it up, we've got rid of the silt, we've got a good crop on the trees and other than the house that's been written off and flooded that's still sitting there, the orchard looks pretty good, but I can drive just down the road, less than a kilometre down the road, and there is uh, orchards and kiwi fruit blocks that are completely wiped out, where and there's just mounds and mounds of silt and debris piled up on their blocks. So that's the kind of difference that we're getting out there as we drive around. Can you can you put a number on what the event kind of cost you financially in total? Well, it's been a significant cost. I mean, first of all, we had to get in there and uh, and like other growers, get the silt out. To be fair, the government came in with a 50-50 share of your costs up to a certain amount. Uh, that was good for some growers. Other growers, it was really just a tip in the iceberg for, for some of them. But that was only the salt and debris recovery, the, the ongoing remedial work of fixing posts and wires, fixing irrigation systems, all that kind of work still continues now. And that's it's just been a huge cost. And uh, on the back of two or three not great growing years for growers down here, so, yeah, it's really taken its toll. So a year on now, Brian, how do you feel when you look back on it? Yeah, it was, inc- it was incredibly hard. Um, I'm a pretty resilient type of person, um, and, uh, but it was incredibly hard. And I would have, I would have moments where um, I'd be driving along and then I would just – I'd feel the grief come up and I'd have to pull over and, and – and, uh, actually just break down. There were times I just had to put in that. It happened a number of times. And it would come out of the blue. And I think that's how, how grief operated. But it was a huge toll. Um, um, my wife and I kind of, you know, we grew stronger together with it. We just, you know, um, held on and, and got through it. But it was a huge cost for us. And it was unexpected, of course. So you've got all these plans and, you know, we got, you kind of realise that your tomorrows are never guaranteed in any way. You don't know what's going to happen. We just pushed through and we, we made a decision really early that we would um, clean up the orchard, that we would get our orchard back running. A lot of the trees were still standing. And so we made a decision that we'd get rid of the silt. And I think it's, once we had that vision and the plan of what we were going to do, it just brought hope and, and we had a goal to go for something. What's it like when you look into the future? Do you, are you optimistic about it? I'm pretty positive. I meet with a lot of growers, uh, talk with a lot of growers. I think generally a lot of the growers that were impacted that got in and got the silt out and have saved their orchards and got the trees growing are quite 
relatively pleased about how their trees are looking. The return crop for a lot of the growers wasn't too bad. There is a feeling of optimism around there for those growers. Some growers have been completely wiped out, haven't got haven't got anything left, their trees, their house. No, I think I think you've just got to be positive. Just got to look ahead. And there's a phrase we kind of use is grow back bigger, better, and stronger. You know, we look back to 2010 with the Kiwi Free Sector and when they had the PSA outbreak and how that sector looked like it was going to be wiped out, but they come up with a G Gold and now it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And I think out of any type of adversity, there's got to come opportunities. There's got to be things that we can do better. And that's kind of what we're looking at now. And how, But just what does that look like and how will that work? Thanks for that, Brian. It's really good to get an update on what things are like for you guys still in the Hawks Bay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I don't want to make assumptions, but you probably don't listen to Newsable if you don't have at least a grudging respect for Taylor Swift. We do talk about it quite a lot, so please don't be shy with your Super Bowl opinions and your hot takes. We want them all. Things get underway this afternoon, so let us know, did you watch it? Was it for the football? Was it for Taylor Swift? Or did you find the whole thing just bizarre and confusing? Remember, you can email us, newsable at stuff.co.nz. Now let's go to a cold case involving a New Zealander who disappeared in Miami more than 20 years ago. Alicia Hannon was living the fast life before she vanished into the night in 2002. Now her son is on a mission to find out what happened to her. Stuff's Katie Ham has been investigating the latest developments and has found out that Alicia filed a complaint against her lawyer boyfriend shortly before she went missing. And she joins us now. Kia ora Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about Alicia and her son and how they ended up in Miami and what she was doing there? Yeah, so at the time she went missing, Alicia was 22. Her son was coming up to three years old. She was living in Miami. Originally went there because of a modeling job. Pretty soon things started to spiral. Um, Adrian, her son's father and her partner, sadly passed away. And so from what her loved ones have told us, she started doing drugs, working as an escort, partying on places like sex offender Jeffrey Epstein's island. So things were really starting to spiral downwards for her. And how did we get from there to her eventual disappearance? So at the time of her disappearance, she was in a relationship with a lawyer, Florida local. We now know that that was quite a turbulent relationship. There are two key police reports that we've seen filed against this boyfriend, one from July 2001 and one from the 1st of January on 2002, so New Year's Day. And that was just five days before she was last seen. Do we know what the complaints say? What have the police told us about them? 
So the police haven't commented on the complaints, but um, the complaints themselves are pretty kind of graphic. They detail the alleged assault. It never actually kind of got its day in court, the second one, because Alicia then disappeared. She was subpoenaed because it's the US to testify. But at this point, she was missing and the case was dismissed. What about the investigation into her disappearance? What did that look like and how long did it last for? We don't know a lot about the investigation itself because the police haven't spoken to us, the Miami Beach police. There was an official missing persons report filed and on that form, there's a big X next to the lawyer boyfriend's name, marking him as a suspect. We know that in the weeks following her disappearance, Alicia's mother, Scylla, traveled to Miami with a private investigator to try and kind of get things moving a little bit, but to no avail. There was, you know, no arrests ever made, no official suspects announced publicly. It's officially still on their books. Um, Every few years, the family will kind of get a letter saying she's presumed dead, but that it's still an open investigation. Other than that, we don't know what's being done to investigate it. And hopefully that's something we can get to the bottom of in the coming weeks and months. Where was her son when she disappeared? So this is one of the interesting things about this case. Just a few weeks before Alicia was last seen, suddenly she turns up back in New Zealand from Miami at her mother's kind of house on a doorstep with her son and says, I'm leaving him here, Adrian. I'm going back to Miami. I've got to tie up some loose ends. There's some things I need to sort out, but I want to start my life afresh here in New Zealand. So Adrian, when Alicia was last seen, was at her mother's, his grandmother's house. And have you spoken to him now that he's an adult and he's so keen to find these answers? Yes. So it was actually Adrian who approached me in the first place after we'd worked on a story about something completely different last year. Um, So this has very much been a team project. He's been a real key player. So very involved and hoping to find some answers. Well, thanks, Katie. You can read more about Katie's story on stuff.co.nz, including several earlier parts of her investigation into Alicia's disappearance. Best of luck with everything, Katie. I hope we find some answers. Thank you. Now, secret Swifty Jeff Wilson, well, I think he's probably a secret Swifty. He seems like it. He's with us in just a minute to talk about all things Super Bowl and, of course, Taylor Swift. But before you get those treats, though, make sure you do the mahi and chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. So, America and potentially many parts of the world are about to come to a standstill this afternoon for Super Bowl 2024. The American football final is one of the most watched annual sporting events in the world, although most of those viewers are in the States. This year sees the San Francisco 49ers face the Kansas City Chiefs, which some Kiwis may have heard of a lot more recently due to the team's connection to one Taylor Swift. Sky Sport commentator Jeff Wilson is back once again for a bit of newsable sport, proudly brought to you by Sky your sport unrivaled. Jeff, it's great to see you. It's great to be back. And I wondered how long before we'd start talking about Taylor Swift. (laughs) It wasn't soon enough. I would put her at the very top if it was me. We'll get to her in a second though, Jeff. Firstly, for those that are uninitiated, just how big is Super Bowl in the US? It doesn't get any bigger in terms of an event. The fact the builder starts two weeks ago, you know, you find out who's going to be in this occasion. And look, uh, cities get the opportunity to host it. You know, all of a sudden, um, it's the biggest show on earth and everything stops for it. The rest of the professional sports stop for the day and ultimately the halftime show, 
you know, you hear about the spots that the advertisers are paying for in the breaks of these games, particularly at halftime, millions and millions of dollars. And it's Usher who's doing the halftime show this year. So all of a sudden, all of these things around the game, around the sport, come to the fore. But look, there's so much tension, there's so much anticipation. And look, as we know, anyone who wins everything in America have become world champions. Mm. So we've got the 49ers and the Chiefs. Is there any interesting backstories there with those two teams? Well, ultimately, these two teams in some ways were underdogs in their championship games coming into this. So Patrick Mahomes has won, I think, two of the last four you know, Super Bowls. Look, here's a superstar. The 49ers have got a young quarterback named Brock Purdy. The story with him is the fact that no one was convinced going into the season he was going to be the guy who could lead this team. And we've got a franchise in the 49ers who are historic in the game. The Chiefs are favourites going into today? Yes and no, because this is the reality of the pressure of this moment. And it's going to be the biggest players who step up. And if you're a guy like Travis Kelsey, who's had so much attention on him, on what he's done, and he's been remarkable the last month, things changed for him, both on and off the field. And what we're seeing is he's the superstar player he was. But on the other side, um, Christian McCaffrey is their running back. is had a remarkable season for the 49ers. So all of these storylines will come to the to the fore. And at the end, there'll be some who've stepped up and some who haven't. Now, you mentioned him, Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's got a girlfriend. You might have heard of her, Taylor Swift, I believe her name is. She is hightailing it back from Japan to see if she can make it in time for the game. How many camera shots of Taylor Swift are we going to see today? I would say you'll see more of her than you might even see of the boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, this is the biggest storyline you know, going into this, is the fact that yeah. suddenly you've got probably the world's biggest performer right now who's there as a spectator on the world's biggest stage you know, watching her boyfriend go out there and compete, it's going to be a big part of it. And let's be honest, if you're trying to grow your fans, if you're trying to grow the number of people who watch the game, you're 100% going to include shots of Taylor Swift in this game. They're going to jump on it. 100%. And well, let's see, but she might do a cameo at halftime with Usher. If I was the NFL, that's exactly what I would pay her to do. Anyway, let's move on from that. Let's let's bring it back home, bring it back to New Zealand, because in just a couple of days, we actually have the Helberg Awards that snuck up on us, the Supreme Sporting Awards in New Zealand. So the lineup in the men's and the women's selections is pretty familiar names, as the team nominations will be too, with the Rugby World Cup effort dominating. Do you think? The hardest thing about the Helberg Awards is that it's so hard to compare sports and athletes, everybody that has been nominated in all of these categories has done something really special for New Zealand. There's actually a lot of people who don't even make nominations. Mm. Well, that being said, can I ask you if you've got any hot takes for the uh, Supreme Award? Which athlete might take that out? <laughs> Look, I, if if there was someone I'd like to see to get recognition, because I'm a golfer myself, what Ryan Fox is starting to do on the world stage, mm. you know, should never be underestimated. Like what Lydia Ko herself has done in golf. You know, I think golf mm. ultimately by numbers is possibly the biggest sport in the world. Um, look, Adi Savea uh, had a remarkable year for the All Blacks last year. But sometimes I look at a team sport when I won the men's award. I was the beneficiary of playing in a remarkable All Black side in 1997. They were amazing. I was the beneficiary of that. Mm-hmm. When if you're the guy standing inside the white lines or in Ryan's place standing on the course and there's only you. Yeah, that's it. I've gone with an all-black connection through Grant Fox's dad. 
but I'm quite <laughs> to think that maybe he's in the running. There we go. That is Jeff Wilson. Kia ora for your time and thank you so much for joining us on what is our first usable sport, proudly brought to you by Sky, your sport unrivaled. So here's what you need to know about the sporting events this week. So the Super Bowl, you can catch that live on ESPN or stream it on Sky Sports now. That's from 12pm today. And those Hellbog Awards, you can catch those on Sky Sport 1 or you can stream them again on Sky Sport now from 8pm on Wednesday. Sky Open will also have live free-to-air coverage of that from 8.30pm. Jeff, thanks so much again. Oh, it's great to be back. Man, it's always so good to have Jeff on the show. Anyway, that is Newsable for today. I'm Jessica McCarthy. Off to go and watch the Super Bowl this afternoon. Well, at least the camera shots of Taylor Swift I am. <laughs> we'll catch you tomorrow. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.